What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Michael Harris, joined as always with Lincoln Cook. Welcome to a, another episode of the Left Hand Backhand. Uh, how's it going, Lincoln? It's going solid. Had an interesting week of disc golf. Uh, got a tournament coming up this week. And uh, I don't know, I'm just looking forward to potentially bringing up some hot topics. So nice. Fun. Yeah, I think we got a good show kind of planned out for you guys. So we're going to go over the Des Moines challenge. We had some picks. Um, we'll just do a little recap, talk about the tournament. Then we have our um, dealer's choice that we like to do. Um, I think we have some fun ones um, picked out for you guys. And then we might talk about some discs in our bag, new ones we're liking, new ones we're trying, new ones we found. And then wrap it up with a two-minute drill to uh, improve for this week. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. Uh, as a note, before we jump into the Des Moines Challenge, we might have a second pod this week. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. We're going to try to recap USAMs and also check the YouTube feed, not the podcast channel, but check the YouTube feed. For my in the bag, I recorded an in the bag last week and posted it on YouTube or on nice. the how's it old people say it? the YouTubes. So uh, go check that out. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So Des Moines challenge. Um, I think the bigger challenge was the weather challenge, um, <laughs> but it it Good was way. in Iowa. Yes, Iowa um, at Pickard <laughs> Park. And uh, it consisted of two rounds for MPO and three rounds for the FPO. Um, should we so go? Over MPO had their second round canceled due to major storm and tornado warnings. Yes. Which, I mean, it'd be kind of sick to play in a tornado, you know, <laughs> low key, just seeing discs, you know, go yeah. 8,000 feet catching in a tornado swirl, but. But yeah, so MPO had their second round canceled, so they literally only had Saturday or uh, Friday. Friday and Sunday. Yeah, which is not as common, but also just adds to the, the evidence that we've been saying all season that the elite series events need to be four rounds because if they played Thursday, Friday, didn't have Saturday, and then had Sunday. Great, you turned an elite series event into a three round, and everybody's happy because it, there's yeah. a more accurate representation of who is going to win the tournament. Yeah, and, and and that's that's true. And someone made a point of like, if it was a someone who is like isn't used to winning or common to win, and they prevailed this after two days, like a Babcock or I mean Greg Sparsby has history, but like he hasn't had a great season so far. But like if Yeah, or some, in the recent history. Yeah, if someone kind of like a Parker Wilk just was ahead after two rounds, which is all that was played, um it would be a, it would feel it, fluky. It'd be a bigger asterisk next to it. But at least this one, unlike the Waco tournament, they knew that last round on Sunday was going to be the last round. So they could kind of right. get their head right to finish it. 
Yeah, that's actually a good point that they didn't have Sunday canceled and they had Saturday. So, like, that is a better outcome. Whereas a couple seasons ago, there was a tournament at Waco, the Waco Annual Charity Open, acronym of Waco, uh, where they played Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday got canceled, so they dubbed whoever was was in the lead on Saturday as the winner, which was uh, Colton Montgomery. And so that's his only tour series win. And so, therefore, it feels like a more fluky win because he only beat Paul McBeth by one, I think. One or two, he was ahead. But I think Paul yeah. was charging and towards the end and was Paul like... Paul was... Yeah. I think he Nuts. had a pretty good start to his season. And he like he was charging. So like everyone thought yeah. he was just going to hunt him down the next day. So, but he yeah, held Especially him putting the pressure on somebody who's not always there. Yeah, for sure. But so, speaking of uh, winners or the yeah. outcome of the challenge. Do you have the results? you want to go over top tens? Or do you need me to pick them up? You pause. All right. So you're going to go over the results, uh, reading off the top tens, and uh, maybe any other notable names from the tournament this week. Yeah, so we'll start with MPO. Uh, Gannon Burr took it down, the three-stroke lead, uh, because he birdied 18, which I don't know why he ran that putt on 18. He got the crowd I behind him. no reason not to. He, he got the crowd behind him, yeah. the hometown kid. Um, he kind of uh, didn't have his moment of like winning the tournament, though. I mean, I don't know. banging a 40-footer to put an explanation mark on your, on your win is pretty nice. Yeah, so. so he took it down because Isaac Robinson doubled 18. Yeah. Uh, so Isaac Robinson in second place at minus 16. And we have a four-way tie at third. Greg Barsby, Calvin Heimberg, Ezra Robinson, which is Isaac's brother, and Gavin Babcock tied at minus 15. And then Anthony Barella and Simon at in seventh place. And Kevin Jones in ninth place. And Chris Clemens and Brody Smith in tenth place. So good to see Brody finish. Uh, yeah, solid, I mean, solid top, tournament. Top ten, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's every stroke, you know, difference. I know. There's all the way down. Another chunk of players, and that's yeah. that's because it's a two round tournament. So yeah. that's just what happens. But yeah, we, we'll go over our FBO, results. But we we picked a lot of people that finished 18th, so you'll see that <laughs> yeah, coming exactly. up. Yeah. Uh, FPO, we have Kristen Tatar taking it down at minus 17. Uh, and note that FPO did play three rounds. So they yes. played partially on Saturday and then their round got cut off. Yeah. And so they picked it back up at like 630 in the morning on Sunday and then played their second round on Sunday as well. Yeah. So yeah. FPO got three rounds in because they tee off before MPO. Uh, Missy Gannon finished in second at minus 11. And then Jennifer Allen, Stacey Ronsley, and Macy Valadiaz tied for third at minus seven. Uh, and then a few people tied for sixth place and ninth place and then 12th. So kind of similar to MPO where yeah. just every one stroke, there's another chunk of players. But a clear win at the top by Kristen, minus 17. Yeah, she kind of took it over. Um, I remember I was 
following scores on that Saturday before they were before they called it, I think, and I think she was three or four strokes back of Paige through the early stretch of that that first first nine. Yeah. And I was like, yep. whoa, this is kind of crazy. And then also I was like, this is gonna be a really good battle going into that last day. Um and then they kind of come out on Sunday and Paige just kind of lays a goose egg. It it feels like she she, she lost by sixteen like, strokes. She, she got she got ninth place. Yeah. And lost by sixteen strokes. Yeah. And, <laughs> so in twenty seven holes only one behind Kristen after one round. Yes. But like ha- halfway through that Saturday, she was up. So that means she lost 17 or 18 strokes over 27 holes. Like, talk yeah. about a momentum. She, she shot a 69 round three. Yeah. For reference, Kristen went 57, 60, 58. And Paige Pierce finished with a 69 on the third round. Like, that's yeah, that's rough. So... It was um, it was windy. Yeah, there were weather conditions, but yeah. yeah, it's still tough to see, especially from someone who's been up at the top for the last several years. Yeah, and like I know, a lot of people were saying the weather was still like there was sunshine above them. There was like it wasn't raining. It wasn't that bad on Saturday, and. It just goes to show you how like important momentum was um, mm. because hers was trending upwards and then came to a crashing halt. Um, but I don't think you can use that weather break as an, an excuse for dropping 17 strokes. Like if, if you, everybody up, else had everyone else did stop it as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Do other people have, kind of that upper hand of maybe they're not playing their a game on that day and then getting to kind of reset to like finish it out. Yes. But as a competitor, you still got to be, you got to perform all three rounds and she just clearly didn't. Um, I'm not worried. That's just like, it was crazy how yeah, quickly she dropped off from ha- being yeah. in the lead. Yep, very surprising to see. But do you want to take us quickly through our yeah. uh, tournament picks? Yes. So you had a great, uh, great choices. So you picked Alden, finished forty fifth. Ezra Aderhold in eighteenth. Corey Ellis in twelfth. Emerson in eighteenth. And you picked the MPO winner, Gannon Burr. So that gave you a Let's total go. of ninety four points. Um, your wild card pick was Jake Wolf. And he scored you a 101. So not quite his not quite his week. Um nope. for FPO, you picked Kristen, netted you one point. So you got MPO and FPO winners. Like I feel like that's a nice little bonus point there. Um yeah, yeah. Caroline Henderson, 35th, Emily Beach, 30th. Um, and then I picked Ricky Waisaki, who finished 18th. Chris Dickerson, who finished 18th. Matteo, who finished 18th. 
uh, Andrew Marweed, who finished 52nd. And then I got Isaac Robinson, who finished second. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then just a bunch of 18th place. We, we had all five guys who finished 18th place. Like crazy. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my wild card was Evan Smith, a young kid who finished. He uh, did well. 32nd. So he handled himself yeah, well. Good for him. Uh, my FPO was Cat Merch, six points. Uh, Macy Valadez, three. She got third, and then Deanne Carey, who got twenty fourth. So you won MPO. Yeah. Um, I won FPO and wild card. So kind of split the points there. Um, I don't think it's a close. I think you're still running away with it, but it was fun to pick. Um, well, we we are at the mid season. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we're a little bit past the. We have a. We're just over halfway through the elite series events. Yeah. So we're, but we're literally at the mid season because there's still the, uh, what's it called? The the tournament they do at the end. I I'm totally blanking on it too. Just the yeah. Uh, the Pro the Tour DGPT finale championship. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Whatever it's called, uh, that's still in there. So we're we're pretty much at the exact middle of the season right now, which is hopefully a decent transition to what your dealer's choice is. Yes, Am I definitely correct? is. Yes. Um, so I like to just take a little break of dealer's choices, and I just want to kind of do a recap of the season and kind of do some – uh, way too early Lesby Awards, the left hand Espy Awards. Um, <laughs> nice. and we're gonna come up with the MPO Player of the Year so far, the FPO Player of the Year so far, uh, most improved from any time, really, just most improved, the newcomer of the year, and the manufacturer of the year. So, I think that's yeah. five, five awards. Um, I think we'll be unanimous on three of them. That that's my guess. Pro- probably, yeah. At least there's three clear ones, and then the other two I feel like are debatable. But yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah. So, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, and we'll just go. We'll just go one and well, one. Like you do yours, and yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go with the pl- player of the year. At the mid midway, yeah. Um, I think it's clearly Calvin, and it's not just because of his pro tour points. Um, I think it's his consistency to be at the top. There's some players that I mean, you have an Isaac who won the only major, so that is a extra notch towards him. Um, so you could make an argument for him, but I don't think he has, has, did he win a second event after that? Uh, I, no, he only has one, um, yeah. One so like, win this year so far. He has the major, which is a big deal. Um, and since then has been playing lights out. Um, so he'll need another, like if he keeps us up the rest of the season, we could definitely be, he'll be more in contention, but Calvin not finishing outside the top 25 has multiple top, top tens and multiple podiums and uh, wins. So 
So Calvin and Gannon both have three wins. Yeah. Uh, Calvin has two less events that he's played, and he has two more top ten finishes over Gannon. Yeah. So to me, Gannon is the clear one B. Yeah. But Calvin is the clear one A. Yeah. I just feel like for so, Gannon, the when he isn't in that top ten, he's like out of it, and I like. I, he, he he's lost. still like top 25 but yeah, yeah he's not like calvin rarely drops out of he's played 13 events and been in top 10 12 times yeah like unreal and the, unreal. and the one time that he wasn't in the top 10 he didn't cash oh yeah yeah i don't know what happened there yeah everyone gets i'll give everyone like one or two tournaments but like was it two weekends ago at the zoo town open gannon got 22nd Oh, really? um, wow. Yeah. And it's just like at a silver yeah. series. And he's missed cash twice. Yeah. So he's he's a little bit streakier for sure, but he's he's pushing Calvin for that player of the year. So it'll be fun yeah. to watch. It'll be fun to watch those two. So we're in agreement there. Yep. What's the second award? Uh the FPO player of the year. Also in agreement. Kristen. There's nothing else to say. I, I like. I don't even want to talk about it. No, she is. Uh, <laughs> she's playing really so well. Good. She's playing really well. Um, yep. We and... we expect her to win every single time, and when she doesn't, we're all surprised, right? So like, yeah, that just says enough, right there. Yeah, exactly. So she's doing good. Um, most improved. I haven't even looked into think who I want to like pick for this, but. So I think there's a clear answer to this, but there's another name that I want to debate. Okay. And it's only because he's more on tour now than he was before. But I think okay. the clear most improved player is Isaac Robinson. Yeah. He's third in, in pro tour points. He has a major win. He has nine top ten finishes. Yeah. Like he's I just like I think far and away the third best player on tour right now. He is. And I definitely think he from last season to this season took his game up a notch. But I I feel like we still saw a lot of flashes of this from him last year. And so like agreed. I, I might the, the good. I'm when I think of the newcomer like of the most improved, I think of someone that I think the guy like the foundation guys were talking about this last year. I'm not looking at the guy who jumped from twelfth or tenth to third. Like, yes, that is a very hard step to take. I'm looking at a guy who was sixtieth to now 20th does that make sense like to me yeah that's, i mean that's improved more sure like that that is a huge improvement i don't think isaac was like 10th last year i think he was like 25th yeah and so he's made and like you said to get into that like top five is an insane jump 
Granted, he's been aided by Eagle McMahon and Ricky Wysocki and Paul McBeth not being as present. So he's been he's been helped out a little bit in that regard. Yeah. But I think uh I think he's the most improved. He went from a flash in the pan to a consistent top ten finisher. Yeah. That's true. Or right, at least you're, you're, you're expecting him to finish top ten. Um, he has nine out of fifteen events in the top ten. Yeah, so he's nice. been very consistent. Uh, the other name that I think deserves to be up there uh, is Aaron Gossage. Yes, that's that's one that is like to me like that's who I would I would pick. Um, I'm also thinking like him, possibly a B, and possibly Ezra Aderhold. Ezra Ezra has made a huge leap. I think Brody Smith has also made a huge leap. I think Anthony's taken a small step ahead. Um, but Aaron literally had the OTB Open two years ago, and then Worlds last year. Yeah. Right. He had one event two years ago and one event last year. And this year he has, what is it, four top 10 finishes. Uh, He's put 12 events and cashed in 10 of them. So he's only had two where he didn't cash. But he's been in contention. He definitely, uh, I want him to be better than he is because his putting uh, sucks down the stretch. No offense, Aaron, we we love you. Uh, But that being said, he... I think he's he's been like the fiftieth to like tenth jump kind of player. Yeah. Um I'm looking at the okay, so that's gonna take away another one who I didn't realize played as many events last year as they did. So I'm looking at twenty twenty two um kind of end of the year. Um, standings. Um, Ezra Aderhold was ranked 14th. Isaac Robinson was 15th, and Aaron Gossage was 16th at the end of the year. Really? With the pro- yeah, Pro Tour points. Um, oh, that's Pro Tour points. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that's what getting second at Worlds will do to you. Yes. So if you take that one event away, he's not even smelling top 25. Uh, I mean, he had. Fifth at Waco, tenth at Music City, twelfth at Open at Tallahassee, third at Jonesboro. Hold on, what am I reading? Third at DDO. I don't. The way that I scroll over does not like make sense to me. Um, that's just yeah, just pro tour points at the end of last season. Uh, Brody was twenty seventh. And then this this is the guy who I was going to use for the newcomer of the year, but he played a lot of events. Was, um, where is he? James Proctor. Proctor? Yep, he was. Yep. Fi- he was. That's fi- the other name. Yeah, he was fifty first last last year in Pro Tour points. Played in. Yeah, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven events. More than that. 
So like he played in all the events last year. He's not and, he's not new to the disc golf scene. He's been known for a, no. a long time. He no. just hasn't been a full tour player. Yes. Um so I mean looking at those results, he's fifth in pro tour points right now. Yeah. So like he's been killing it. And he's to, apparently he's just like fun to watch. He's fun to be on the card yeah. with. Like he's people awesome. just love being with him. So, like, so you, you love to see that in the people that make that leap. Yeah. So in my looking at those results just from Pro Tour points compared to last year to this year, um, I'm probably just gonna have to go with Proctor. Even like I do as think as most improved? As most improved. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Isaac's good. Well, I'll let you think that. Isaac's I think a, you're, you're Isaac's wrong, but I'll let you think that. Yeah, you go ahead, <laughs> stick with Isaac going from tenth to third. <laughs> Such a big jump. Yeah, but uh, that's that's in terms of points finished. He had one good tournament last year. I'm not talking about Pro Tour points. I'm talking about like rankings. I know, I know. Um. All right, newcomer of the year. That's where that's where I was thinking James Proctor because he's I was too. A, he's a full tour player now, whereas yes. he wasn't before. Yeah. Um. But I feel like you he's not a newcomer though. You know, he's he's played correct. Yes. He's he's played. Um I think look, there's two pretty solid answers here. All right. The go first ahead. is your boy. Parker Welk. Parker Welk. Yes. Because he he only played in like what like eight eight or nine events in his whole disc golf career before this year or something like that? No, he's right? played he's something, played in more events. He's you no, know, he's played in more events. He just has not won anything over a B tier, I think. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, um who's so your I second think one? He's in contention. And then uh I actually I need to look into it a little more. But yeah. the name that was coming to mind was Colder Dolan. He he played a he lot last played, year too. He played not everything last year because no. he didn't do a full tour. Yeah. Um and also Silas Schultz. Yes. Silas, I think, is a good one. I also think But he, Jake, he's only played in six events this year so far. Yeah. And he's he's thirty eighth in pro tour points. Um I also think yeah. um Jacob Semerod. Jakub Semerod. Yep. Yakub Semerod would be a good one, or yeah, that was even, another name. Even Evan Smith, he's had some pretty good yeah, results when he plays. Um, yeah, how many events has he played in? He's played. Oh, jeez, what did I just do? He's played. He's played in five events, but he has two top ten finishes in those five, and he's sixteen. Well, two of them are. Um, Silver, but still. No. He's not the 16-year-old, is he? No. Who am I thinking of that's, that's the 16-year-old? DD's Carter, sponsor Car- player. Carter Aarons. Carter. Okay, yeah, I get Carter and Evan mixed. I know. They're, they're the I most, mean, like, basic. They're the, like, they're the same age. Basic, like, <laughs> names and, yeah. I don't know. So the silver event that happened last year, but was the first event of this year, uh, he finished third. Uh, Music City. He finished tied for eleventh. 
Champions Cup, he was tied for twenty fourth, and then I'm pretty sure this is the Zoo Town Open. He got third, and then this last week he got mm-hmm. tied for thirty second. But like he didn't even play DDO. Um, yeah, he's he's registered for a few more events towards the end of this season, but I mean. When he's out there, he's performing really well. So, someone who definitely wasn't on the scene last year. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Um, uh, and then, did you have one more? Yes. The, award? Yeah, the Manufacturer of the Year. Oh, I think this one's easy. I think it's probably Prodigy. I feel like it can't, it yeah, can it, hardly be anyone else. Correct. I think there's, uh, it feels like they're clear the most or the number one. Like they're at least their on course performance by their players is yes consistently by far the best. Yes, and it feels even like that gap feels even larger because of the negative PR that they had. At the beginning of the season, yeah, like the right? jump, the, the jump. So they like made everybody, from... like, like look, look down on them, and now it's like, okay, they've got crazy young talent. Like they have three guys finishing top five, far and away the best. Yeah, yeah, not that they're the best company, but they they're the manufacturer of the year so far. Yeah, I would I would agree um, with that. I mean, you also have this is the thing. Like, it's hard because I there's. A couple companies that I think are kind of skating some thin ice on their on-field performance. Um, uh, all of trilogy. Yes. So, do you want to go into our they hot own, seats? They pretty do you want much to go to our our hot yeah. seats. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's do it. Not only we're we gonna do the positive awards for the end of the year, we're gonna kind of do some hot seats on which players and manufacturers will need to kind of pick it up to to finish out the second half of the year so yeah trilogy for manufacturers i mean and think all think of their, trilogy think their lord they have kristen tatar because she is like putting everyone on their back oh. in her backpack her side purse and zuka cart <laughs> and carrying them along to to victory yeah, yeah. Uh, her and Matteo are like the only two consistent performers right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not going to fault. Granted, Rick Rick's been too out. Much. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think just for them, their their disc releases. Like, I don't know who has tour series discs. I don't like. There's no need or desire or just like huge PR from them to like does Gavin have a, a disc that came out? Does what what Ricky disc came out or Chris Clemens or like anything that's like everything that they, they've been you go ahead. Very quiet on the like hype train right now. Yeah. For sure. Um and I I just feel like in disc golf the way that it's going, if you're not having that on field performance, you need to start you need to make headlines and news and a splash outside 
of it in some way. Correct. In the social media, on YouTube videos, like anything. So, which is um, so weird because their social media team, Danny and used to be very good. What what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name now. But they they had their podcast every week, and their podcast was great. Yeah. Well, uh, they cool used Daddy to pump Slickery's, out a bunch he of left. videos. He left. Right, but even after uh, yeah, Bobby left, they still were doing a, the podcast. They were they stopped doing it before Worlds last year, and they haven't picked it back up. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't really get what's going on there. Like they've, I know that the company has a lot on the horizon, but yeah. I only know that because I did a warehouse tour last year. Yeah. <laughs> like otherwise, I don't I don't know anything in terms of what they're trying to you know push out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think another manufacturer that's on the hot seat, uh, kind of Innova, but not. But not really. I mean, they just got Calvin, who's holding them, and and they're still selling the crap out of Sexton Firebirds and yeah, and Colin Thunderbirds. Yeah. Well, they just come out. The thing that they but, do is like come out with one tour series every two weeks or a month. It's like this one and then this one. Um, I really like what Discraft did was just like mass drop everything, create hype, create just like demand for everything at the same time and i thought that was just like yes super sweet from them yeah discraft is probably number two like they've been killing it this year yeah um fpo too yeah yeah they've been solid okay hot seats mpo and fpo players do you have anyone um i don't want to like i need to mention paul because He's just like, I, I don't understand what's going on this year yeah. with him. Yeah. Not that he's actually on a hot seat or anything like that. Just had to had to bring him up. Um, yep. The first name that comes to mind is Chris Dickerson. Yep. Yeah. Because if, if, he, if he has three top 10 finishes, but compared to expectation, he hasn't been in contention at all. Yeah. And if you're going to be picky about where you're going to play and how many tournaments you're going to play when you show up, you need to just ball out and be a top guy. Like he was, I mean, two years ago, he was the, the forefront. He was the player of the year two years ago. Yeah. And we haven't seen that killer Chris like since then. So I, I agree. He's uh someone who we want, who I want to see just like get back to where he was. Yeah, so he's the only, like, I don't know, the hot seat. Like, I don't think any of these people are, like, in jeopardy of losing their sponsorships or anything. No. But no, there are some bigger names, like Eric Oakley, Drew Gibson. Uh, There's another one. Uh, Gary Gerthy. Nico. Yeah. Like, those people have not been relevant in terms of opportunity to win yeah but they're all really solid in their sponsors and their like media presence as well so yeah i'm I'm, I'm not sure i'm curious your thoughts on who's in the hot seat um 
it's it's hard like like you said there's we expect more from those guys that have shown they are the top players because there's a few of them that, that haven't performed so far this year um there's still a lot of disc golf to play but yeah paul probably number one and then i'm looking at the pro tour standings drew gibson is in 43rd right now yeah and for a guy he only who, has eight events yep but one top 10 finishes all for a guy who likes to stir up a lot of controversy yes. on the internet and talking yes. this is bad that is bad we need to fix this we need to fix that um you you would like, want to see his game back up exactly talk. exactly for sure so it's um I mean, i'm just looking at that he's he's one that needs to and then the guys that are just outside of the the cut zone as uh, garrett girthy Jakub Simarad, Austin Turner, and Nico Castro are like just on the edge uh to get into the Pro Tour finale. So Yeah. Yeah. So like being on the hot seat, it it I guess that depends on your definition of what the hot seat is in disc golf, right? Like yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is like losing their sponsor because they're playing like crap. Yeah. But I don't and I they're don't just like not relevant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And especially like someone like Eric Oakley, uh, his sponsorships are not based off of his performance on the course. He, like just like correct. Nate Sexton, like he's gonna sell his discs. He has his media social media presence. Um and that's all that really mm-hmm. matters. Who you got? I I uh... I know the answer to this question. It's Casey White. He's down there. Oh. He has 10 events, no top 10 finishes, and only cashed three times. Yep. Like, he's already a lower level Disc Mania sponsorship player. Like, he doesn't have a tour series disc. He had like a run of discs that they did for him, run yeah. of P2s and stuff. Yeah. With like his stamp and whatnot. But he doesn't have a tour series disc. Yeah. Like he could be on the hot seat of losing a sponsorship, yeah, or possibly being kicked off a of Discmania. I'm sure he'd be picked up elsewhere, but like losing his current sponsor, yeah. very clearly up there to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, do you have any FPO players? Uh, I mean, Paige Pierce, she's 16th right now. Yeah. Yes, yes, she has two wins, but I I don't know. Just she feels hot seat. That's the first thing that comes yeah. to mind. And it's it's, it's kind of unfair. Hot seat, but yeah, and it's it's unfair how we are judging and putting that pressure on those top performers like Paul right. or Ricky, but they have put themselves in this position for their careers that we yes. can put pressure on them. It, it's kind yeah. of like the LeBron effect, the tiger effect, the like everything is like, we expect greatness from you, not just mediocrity. Yeah. And that's how they're playing so far this year. Uh, another name that like, it's an obvious, it's, a, it's like not even, she's not even on the hot seat because she's so, already been on the hot seat. Yeah. Is Kona. Kona. Yeah. 
Kona has 10 events, zero top 10 finishes, and only three cashed events. Whereas Caroline Henderson has one top 10 finish. She's cashed in over half of the tournaments she's played in. And she's new on the scene. Like, yeah. Kona's been at this for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm also looking at the, like, I look at someone like a Paige Shoe switching disc yeah. sponsor. She's only played a few events. So, like, but she's, she's far and she's out. She's a of lower the, level disc craft. Yeah. Um, and then I also think like Evelina and Henna, I mean, coming into yes. the year, they were both all stars, um, kind of had all this, the backing from Innova, the backing from the European disc golf community. And, and I know now they're like kind of over in Europe and like, they're not full-time here and not full-time there, but it's like when they have been here, I've hardly heard their name. I haven't even heard them, yep. seen them on coverage. I haven't seen them, heard them talked about. Um, like you forget that they're on the star team for Inter. Like crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. They have a tour series desk. Yeah. So uh, a couple other names that are I don't know how warm their seat is, but they're not relevant, and they're names that could be relevant is like a Cynthia Ricciotti. Yeah. Like she's done absolutely nothing this year. 13 events, zero top tens, only four cashed events. Uh, and then Erica Stinchcomb, 14 events, one top 10, six cash. Like, yeah. cause uh, it's Erica Stinchcomb and who, who's the other that does the coverage for Jomez? Madison Walker. Madison Walker. Yeah, yeah, She's... and she hasn't done anything either. Yeah. Zero top tens, twelve events. Like yeah. both of them are in that same boat of like, man, like you're not bringing in discs really. Yeah. You're not competing at a high level. Mm, I don't know, man. Yeah. If I, if I were a manufacturer looking at, you know, who's bringing in. X amount of money relative to expectation. They're both way below expectation, and therefore, yeah, I would consider their seat hot. Yeah, well, they got the jo- I mean, they got the Jomez to kind of push their name, and they bailed them. Get out, some notoriety. Yeah, that's part of the. Like the they're, they're those doing. are people that will probably move towards a media position. Yeah, which is fine. Um, yeah. and then. My last hot seat goes with a take that a young Gannon Burr um, mentioned. Where did you Where did you find it? And do you want to just talk his about post, it? His post round interview. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So right after he won, he had his interview with, uh, um, my goodness, right. what Brian right. Earhart? Yeah. Which, quick side note, Brian Earhart was on Jomez coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the second round, second final and final round, instead of Paul Ulibarri. Yeah, and he was fantastic. Granted, it's because he was doing media, like he he's the on on field, yeah, like media coverage guy. So he had a ton of insight. But bringing that insight into Jomas was so refreshing. Yeah, 
I it was thought really it was, cool to hear yeah. his perspective. And like he did a really good job of not giving away spoilers because he obviously followed yes. the lead card the whole time, but giving enough context clues onto yeah. what the what the vibe was like, what the wind was like, what Gannon's situ- checking his phone. He's trying to see where yes, like that, I thought that Isaac's was at. super cool extra insight that you don't normally yeah. get from from Joe Miss. So yeah, I like that a lot. Sexy Barry. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but okay, so in his post-round interview with Brian Earhart, uh, that is Gannon's home course. Like he he grew up right next to it, so yeah. that, that's where he you know spent his uh, early teens years playing disc golf there. And he said, uh, he said, in my opinion, with the changes that they made, with the environment that that's out here. This is arguably the best course on tour. Or and then he said, no, in my opinion, this is the best course on tour. So we kind of like threw it out there and then he's yeah. like, no, I actually I do think that. Yeah. So yeah, so that that kind of spurred your last hot seat. Yeah, my hot seat was just like, are there any courses that are in danger of being dropped from the pro tour and just going forward are there are there courses that we are just kind of have we that we have outgrown on the pro tour uh so to give a little bit of just like refresher as to like the courses that are tour courses we have well, let's just let's just go over the ones that we have played so far this season because it's the it's the half halfway point so we'll just go um okay. las vegas challenge have we outgrown that course or is it still fine? possibly but i think there's i think that tournament is just such a great kickoff to the season that yeah. i don't think that it's i don't think that we need to move on from it yeah i i agree i think it's fine and from the way that i have heard that wild horse treats disc golf i think it'll only <clears> keep <throat> getting bigger and be more like steadfast there um and it's a, it's a fun place to start uh we got yeah. waco waco the beast that, this is this is the number one course that i think i think would be the first one to be dropped from this list yes i agree um and i think brody did a practice video at the possible future site for the Waco tournament. Um, but I agree. Really? Like, yes. Yeah. I think it's on some type of type of golf course or park style, but um, yeah, I think we have kind of surpassed the Waco. It, it's hard because it it's not really, it's a historic course. It's a historic course. And it's like, it's meaningful, but it, yes. it it's, it's not quite tour level anymore. Yes. Like everybody um, looks forward to it because it's the first tournament after Vegas. And so it's like, yeah. all right, yeah, let's, let's, let's kind of get in the swing of things. Like we yeah, got, it's we got the, Vegas it's the start of the, of the Texas swing. Now let's yeah. jump into it. Yeah. Yeah. But the course itself is one just, it's very shreddable. Yeah. To the point where any wind people are like, okay, well, this is like, there's just so many like excuses but 
yet the course itself is not too difficult and they're kind of forcing a couple of holes like the one that's uh has the fence on the right and the road on the left yeah. like that hole is very forced to be yeah. in there yeah I, I i just don't know how much longer a course like that is gonna sustain the pro tour yeah for sure uh the open at austin is that that new kind of golf course this year yeah harvey Pennick golf course yeah uh i mean that course is, it's hard to say because that's a new yeah. new one but i think there's potential there but also yeah it's definitely I kinda, on I, the lower end yeah. of things i kind of liked it um i get but it is another like golf course course but i i don't know why people give them such a hard time because i remember there's a hole that was like 400 feet and there's a tree that you had to go around and then the basket finished off to and the go right way to the left uh, finish off to the right um okay. it's like for a lefty backhand it's pretty easy to just throw it hard straight and then it'll just fade to the basket and they're like ah this is this is lame like it's such a wide open easy hole but it's like that mando on that tree yes there's no there's not a line of trees on that whole right side but like just because it's wide open and it's forcing you to do a shot you think it's a bad a bad hole but if you go to charlotte and you put that same like distance same hole design with tree-lined fairways the whole time everyone's like oh my god this is the greatest hole ever in disc golf it's like you don't need to have the barriers there to make a hole like challenging or difficult like for the players sure. i don't know yeah um, it, well, time will tell with this one it's yeah. still very fresh so it's hard to say where this one stands but my initial reaction is just that it needs more work to not be at the lower end of this list yeah um I'm going to skip the silver events. Yeah. Um, Music City. So next is music. I don't even remember the course. What yeah. course is that? I don't. If it's not bad enough for us to remember, it's fine. Uh, Champions Ooh. Champions uh, Cup. Should that host a major um, every year? Should it host a major every year? I don't have an answer for that. But should it be on the Pro Tour every year? I think it should I agree with that. I I will go out to say I don't think it should host a major every year. I don't think it should like that course. I mean, you saw Isaac Robinson throw four discs and absolutely destroy it. And I I don't think a course should require any player to just have to throw two different discs off the tee ever. Um, I think it's very right hand, yeah. right hand favorable. It looks great. It's in a great spot, being the like right in the PDGA's backyard. So like, I know yeah. it's not going anywhere, but it was way too easy. It was, it's way too vulnerable in its current setup, and I, I don't think it encompasses a a full game to be crowned a major champion. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think it should be a major. 
uh, it could be on a list of like rotating. Uh, yeah, I could see that rotating major courses. It could be on like a list like that. Yeah, but there's no spectating. No, in terms of like B- bad cell coverage, is just yeah. The one challenge that we just had is prop is arguably the best spectator course on tour because of how much room there is behind each tee. Yeah, you know, out it, it did look great close to the green without being in the player's like mind of throwing. Yeah. And there there were fans everywhere. You're yeah. never gonna get that at the Champions, Champions Cup. Cup course. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh Jonesboro. I think I think there could be a better course put on that property. Yeah. But I feel I think, like it's on yeah. the, the 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 scale of I think it's on a hot. I think it's on a hot seat. Like it's okay for now, but it is definitely on a hot seat of we are quickly, um, outgrowing it with the players' skills and just kind of need to challenge players. Yeah, what that course requires from you. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, OTB 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 Open. Open. I think that course is great. Actually, I like it. I like it a lot. A year ago, I would have said it was on the hot seat, but then yeah. the changes that they made to it, the uh, coming back to the course and seeing the good holes and then the improved holes, like they took out two or three holes where it was like, yeah, that's a there was that was a forced hole, didn't need to be there, and the spectating at the event was actually pretty great. Tons of room for it. I don't know. I, I enjoyed that course a lot more than I thought I would. The only issue with that is that it's in Stockton, California, which is not the greatest of areas. Very yeah. high crime rate in Stockton. Yeah, it's just middle of nowhere. No one's there. Um, all right, Portland. Yay or nay? Hot it seat? could be on the hot seat. It's on the warm seat. Yeah. And it's a changing course, and that's probably part of why it is. Yeah. It hasn't. I like, I like it, but I don't love it. Yeah, I think it's the most like picturesque and beautiful. Those big mature trees. I think a lot of the pros liked playing there. Um, but because they're moving it around, they I don't think they have found their perfect layout yet, which is fine. Or even, or even a like, we're gonna play this course or these holes every year, like too many of the holes completely changed. changed. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like they altered it. It was like, they just built, designed a new course in there. And it's like, yeah. okay. You want to see a little bit more consistency year over year. Yeah. Uh, DDO. I don't know. Country, Country I... club and Jones, which they didn't even play Jones. So that's already to yeah. me, the like, clear sign of whoa what's like why didn't you use one of your signature courses uh for your event um and and why why did we not do a four round tournament there like i don't know i still don't understand why it was three round yeah mind-boggling stuff that is i don't feel like it should be but i could be convinced that it could be 
other players have brought that this makes up. sense yeah other players have brought this up like if you don't host that tournament with while like the huge amateur event is going on at the same time it should not be there like it is the middle of nowhere no one else is there yes emporia supports disc golf but it's like two hours away from kansas city there what's the it's other a, like big city next to it's it it's only like, like 50 minutes away from kansas city it's not that far yeah it's just like it's still like far enough away that not that many people are gonna drive that distance to go watch strictly the pros um Correct. and I, I just it seems old like it's it just doesn't seem but I don't know. I'm ready for something yeah, different. It's, there. it's a tough one. Like I think so too. I think Jones Supreme should have been the course if they were to do one. Something. I mean, Jones Supreme is difficult enough. Granted, some of it's manufactured OB in difficulty. Yeah. But it was it was a fun course to watch last year at Worlds. Yeah. And then that brings us now to the Des Moines Challenge, which uh, up until Talking now, all these, it, it it's kind of up there, to me. I, based on all the ones that we've talked about, it probably, and watching the course right now, I mean it's fresh, but yeah. I don't have many complaints with the course. No, I really liked what they did with the out of bounds and the high grass and the low grass. Like it felt like a piece of property that was manicured like a ball golf course specifically for disc golf which is like super cool yeah it it wasn't a ball golf course that now all of a sudden had disc golf on top of it it was you had a fairway you had a rough you had trees obstacles yes water hazards yeah like put in place to clearly define where you're throwing it. And I, I mean, the clearest ones are hole one and two. It is so easy to tell as a fan that's out of bounds, that's inbounds, where are they trying to throw it to? Right there. Like you didn't have to have, yeah. I mean, they had the stakes, but you didn't have to have the commentators discussing, like, oh, that's a good shot. Or, oh, they leaked that out to the right. Like they landed in the you, green you stuff. Knew. Yeah. You knew, so I I really liked I really liked it, and I think there was a couple of holes too where they didn't have the tall grass as OB, yeah. but then they had it like kind of so they had like the tall grass different line, and then they had like the very tall stuff, yeah, and that was OB, yeah, and it made it so the tall grass you weren't doing a run up there, you had to do a standstill, and I really liked and so that. that like provided like actual rough, yes, to, uh, I can't remember what hole it was. But I just remember the, Greg Barsby throwing a f- crazy forehand. Yeah, I think it was a par and, four. Yeah, and um, he scrambled out yeah, of it, and it was just, yeah, very impressive. Yeah. It might have even been that par five, actually. I I think it was. It was a par five on the back nine. Uh, before not eighteen. There's another one. Yeah, there was. Way, yeah, I remember there was just, one where just an aspect of the course yeah. like this that. Is so I think cool. is, it's good. Yeah, perfect. So. Uh, that's that's my dealer's choice, and I took up a lot of time. So 
No, do you want That was pretty good. Do you want to save yours and we can get it on the midweek? Uh, we sure. Yeah, we can do yeah. that. I yeah. just feel like uh, we definitely uh, lingered on with the midseason reward oh, awards, but they're a big uh, deal. They're a big deal. Yeah, I like it. So. I think we should revisit. We should document these and revisit them at the end of the year and see yeah. who's okay. made the biggest jumps from mid-year, who sustained the whole yeah. year, you know? Yeah. I think that'd sure. be beneficial. Yeah. Um, um, moving to in the bag. Mm-hmm. I don't have much. I, don't, I actually don't have anything really new in the bag. I've just been able to get a couple rounds in in the last week yeah. of my full Lone Star bag. And I have a tournament this Saturday. So I feel like my bag's pretty well set up. Um, nice. There's not any major holes in my bag right now, except yeah. for potentially a alpha bayonet, a forehand distance driver that's going to get more turn and fade, but not just the beefcake that the Warbird is, which if I wanted any turn, I would have to force it. And I don't yeah. want to have to do that. I want to be able to throw flat. And the uh, curls just kind of turn too much for me if I throw it forehand. I did a little field work on that. Um, So that's the only thing I'm missing, but it's not that like Lone Star is missing it. And so I'm I'm trying to acquire one of those. Haven't got that yet, but I I have one and I'll tell you, it is still beefy. The bayonet. Yeah. I I wonder how it will be in, but that's the one thing I'm missing from the Lone Star lineup is just that max distance driver um the curl will is close the curl is very close um i just have to but figure it's, out it's still an 11 speed yeah i just have to figure out the angles i need to throw on it to like get it to turn without turning over or hyzering out too early um so one of my 10 percent that i'm keeping in is my destroyer because mm-hmm. i just i throw that thing so far is so fun, like uh-huh. the, I'm. I'm hoping to go play tomorrow at a ball golf course, so it'll be my first time, first round, um, with the full Lone Star or Lone Star, 100%. mostly full Lone Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited, and I'm really liking. Oh, good. I like the MIDI. I don't know how I feel about the Texas Ranger because because. I throw the harpoon so well. That's good. Like I can throw the harpoon very far, so I feel like I don't need that slightly wider rimmed. I don't even know if it's wider rimmed, but just like a different feeling mid range. Yeah, I believe it's slightly wider rimmed uh, diameter. But what yeah. what plastic is your uh, alpha? Jeez, words. Texas Ranger. No, sorry, you're a harpoon. I have alpha and then the V two. Yes, the harder one. Yeah, V two. But but you're throwing the the alpha the furthest right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're, and, that, that's what you're talking about. Cool. Yeah, the, and the alpha like gets good glide while still being like it, stable. It has then, dome. Yeah, it's cool. It's sick. It reminds me a lot of my my A three that I used to just throw all the time especially with that shallow profile yes it's 
semi-smaller diameter, very shallow feel in the hand. Um, feels like a very fast, like throwing putter. Um, yeah. And because I throw a lot of like, so like instead of throwing an overstable mid range, like a, a midi, like I might just bump up to my, my Brazos and throw that for my 300 foot, like shot. Like, yes, I could pump a mid range there, but if I don't need to and like, why try overexert myself and lose like accuracy when I can just kind of smooth out a, a fairway that I know it's not going to go too far. Yeah, no, I totally so, agree. Yeah. And your, your Brazos, do you have it in founders? Yeah. It's beef. Is it, History. is it less stable than alpha or more? I haven't thrown an alpha. I threw a, a Bravo one and Bravo Brazos. Yeah, it was the mid-flight. I definitely got more like of a flip up with the Bravo, but it would still dump mm. the same and they wouldn't go as far. Like they went the same distance, but it would flip up just a little bit more in that in that Bravo plastic. If that gotcha. makes sense. So like I I threw the the Brazos backhand a few times this last week and had pretty solid six like it did what i wanted it to do yeah and i had mostly only been throwing it forehand for those straight forehand shots that still need to fade like a shorter it's like an fd1 or an yeah. fd2 yeah kind of disc um but i've been pumping it as far as i was throwing my fd3s yeah so it's where that that's been an adjustment for me where i would normally throw an fd3 now i'm throwing a brazos yeah and where i was throwing a cloud breaker now i'm throwing the mad cat yeah i i like the mad cat it flies a lot like my my getaways not quite as like seasoned and straight but like it's getting yep. the same pushing distance if i do turn it over on purpose like i can get a good full flight flex out of it um it's a very controllable mm -hmm. like glidey fairway and I was throwing it kind of against the the dose X because it's an eight four negative one two, thinking that dose X would get a little bit more like turn and glide, but the four mm -hmm. glide the four glide doesn't let it go far. Yeah. And I'm just I'm noticing like it, it it can stay straighter ish, but it's still gonna dump and it's not going far. So, um, I'm I'm gonna bag three mockingbirds, maybe even four. And two Mad Cats as my fairways. And then the Chupacabra and the Brazos. Jeez. Okay. Well, the, uh, mock the Mockingbird, the... like, they're not all different. They're not all different. It, like, just the three of backups. them are the, yeah, backups in case I lose them. Three of them are about the same. Practice. Yeah, practice. I got two Alpha, one Founders, and then one Bravo, which is going to be my, like, max turnover understable. The like, Bravo is less stable for you? Yeah, very, very less. Interesting. Yeah, it's a so little bit lighter that's, weight. but That's where I've been trying to figure out the plastics with with Lone Star because my founder's curl is significantly, not maybe not significantly, but it's noticeably. visibly less stable. No, yeah, there you go. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> noticeably less stable than my Alpha and my Bravo. Oh, Wow. 
So like if I throw it on Annie, it's it's not gonna come back. Okay. It's gonna it's gonna pan, but it's not yeah. gonna ever come back out of it. Yeah. Whereas the alpha, it you can tell that it's wanting to fight. It's like wanting to fight. It's not wanting to pan and flatten out. It's like it's getting back. Yeah. And same nice. with the Bravo. Uh and I can somewhat hyzer flip the founders. Like if I throw it on a hyzer, it'll get a little flip up and but it won't turn. Whereas if I throw it flat, I'll get a good amount of turn and it'll fade out. Yeah. And the alpha one, if I just put it on a big hyzer line, I trust it in the headwind right now. Nice. So good. What my point is the founders is in not the always curl the most stable. is less stable. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm like, hmm, now I want to test out a founders mockingbird founders brazos yeah i feel it i feel like it changes every mold every run every yeah which is disappointing but for a company that is so new into making discs um and especially having to pump them out in such like fast and large quantities um it's understandable i guess to have those hiccups so yeah which cool. is where it is tough because you order a disc or something and you expect it to fly one way and then you're like, wait, what? this doesn't make sense. So then you yeah. order the different disc and it doesn't do what you expect. It, you have to find the right disc. Yeah. Yeah. So anything you're working on leading up to your tournament this next weekend? It, it is stupid and cliche, but putting consistency. So yeah. Not that then you know, needing to practice putting itself, but I I need to be just more consistent with my putting to give reference. I played tags last one Tuesday at Expo mm-hmm. and I missed multiple circle one bids, you know, like 28 to 30 feet or so, like yeah. edges circle, bleeding into circle two. I missed most all of them. Like it, it was pretty bad. Yeah. But then I played... Uh, tags on Saturday and I missed one circle one putt and it was just a lack of focus but I made I had 14 birdies yeah not not to brag but my putting is what got me the majority of those like I put them within the circle but I made all the putts yeah and so I I need to be more consistent I don't want to have the expo day and then the yeah, West Fork Day. I, yeah, I want to yeah. be more consistent with hitting my points and my rhythm and my timing, and not be as streaky. For sure. Yeah, which is good. And like, so I don't know how I'm going to work on that, but that is the mental thing I'm going to work on. Yeah, you want to just keep your your stats. Like you don't, you're not expecting yourself to go out and put ninety four percent from C one X, but you want to stop yourself from going and putting. 20% or 30% or like 40. I don't even know what, what it would be, but like you want to be more in the middle average and consistent 80 plus percent from the, your circle one X putting. Right. Yeah. Which we'll cool. get into at uh, our recap of USAM's episode, but I had several putts that I made from like 40 feet that were yeah. like clutch par putts. And then I had, a couple of just dumb missed like 20 footers yeah. that ended up being bogeys. And it was like, golly, this is stupid. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I need to be more consistent. Anything nice. for you? Um, just learning my new discs, um, seeing how they fly, throwing them on like different angles as much as possible. So like, yes, I have my stock angle that's kind of like a hyzer that I pull over to flip up to flat. Um, but try throw 